0: and welcome to The Last Bell, MVL's weekly variety podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jonah Cromer. And I'm your co-host, Andy Muskie. And this week we are joined by an alumnus of MVL, Peter Smith from the class of 2020. Peter, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing very well. How are you, I am doing well as well. Peter, I understand that you are currently quarantined, as is... Uh, yes, as that's is a correct. sign of the times these days. Mm-hmm. How are you
1: handling it? Um, not as well as I could be. You know, it's um, I, I haven't really. So my entire dorm uh, was quarantined and they said everybody who can go home should go home. So I am in my room right now. I haven't really unpacked most of my college stuff, which is a problem because I'm supposed to be reading a history assignment that's due on Tuesday. I have not started and it's two hundred and sixty pages. So
2: that's okay. I give a speech tomorrow and it's not written yet.
1: All right. That's what I like <laughs> to hear.
0: Well, looks like the more things change, the more things stay the same. Well, let's start out with our first official segment. Last week's This Week Today, where we go over what has happened recently. Andy, what do we have?
2: All right, so we're taking you way back to, I believe, back on October... Not the 9th, the one after that. It was two weeks ago, about. About two weeks ago. Yeah, we we learned that due to positive cases of the virus... The girls' soccer team sadly had to stop their season and have to quarantine. They forfeited their playoff game. Luckily, they're all back now. They're, as far as I know, they're all nice and healthy. Everybody should be showing up for school on Monday. Yeah, we're getting, like, I think Mr. Wubalt said, we're getting some of the highest numbers we've had since we started school, which is what we like to hear is definitely what we like to hear um on October 12th our boys soccer team had their playoff game which they sadly lost to Faribault they've kept it close all season but this time the coin didn't flip in their favor yeah but hey shout out boys soccer for keeping our fall interesting still shout out to girls soccer for keeping our fall interesting before they had to end their season and then the next day, October thirteenth, our trusty Charger volleyball team went to battle the the Stangs, as we like to call them, of BLHS. They they sadly lost three to nothing. It's they, they still had a couple people in quarantine, I'm pretty sure though. Yeah, that will be the story of the
0: season, whether we
2: can keep people out of quarantine and continue the sports season. And really for any sport, honestly. Um, then the next day, not the next day, the 15th, our football team was at home against Wabasso and we, we took a beating. It's a 48 to six loss. I was in attendance and let me say that was rough to watch. It was rough to be in, but we got our act together and it's past us. Now it's all we can really do. You know, yeah, put in the past, move forward. Um, then on the 20th, our volleyball team went to Sleepy Eye St. Mary's, once again lost 3-0, to zero. hopefully they can start to turn something around. St. Mary's
0: always has a strong team.
2: St. Mary's, it yeah, they're usually pretty good still. We just couldn't compete at their level. Yeah, and then on the 22nd, our volleyball team went to Cedar Mountain and sadly lost in four there, but... I know we're de- we're once again we're dealing with quarantining and injuries and all that. Let's hope to see better performance from our volleyball team in the future. Just give them their give them your support no matter what. too. yes, like, like coming from a member of the 0 ten Charger football team of twenty seventeen, we just need to, you, we just need to give them support.
0: It it'll make them feel better. It bad game can be turned around by
2: great friends, family, uh, Yeah, any support that you can give. Yeah, and speaking of members of the football team, uh, October 23rd, our football team went all the way out to Adrian, and we got our first win 24-6. to It was a great game to be in. It's always good to get the first win of the season because once you start
0: winning, you hopefully make it a habit.
2: Yeah, we... We have this history whenever we have to travel more than an hour and a half we win cuz last time we did that it was my sophomore year we went down to Adams to play Southland and it was it was their homecoming and it was we were on a streak of like 12 or 13 straight losses and then we beat Southland and we were just we went crazy and it was awesome it was adrian's homecoming as well it was it was really fun to be there so good things out of the football team yeah things are looking up for sure
0: from there i think we shall pivot to our interview with peter smith peter uh let's start with some basic information about you right now
1: where do you attend college and what for I currently attend college at uh, MLC up on the hill in New Ulm, and I'm going for pastoral studies with a secondary in Mandarin. in Mandarin. Mandarin is an interesting choice of language. It is. It's just it's so different from everything else I've had to study because there's no there's no gender. There's no case for the nouns. There's no verb tense whatsoever. It's just freaky how you do is that
2: in in person or is that an online one? Uh, that is in-person. Well, until... With, um, well, when until, you're... like, yeah. Yeah. Friday. Like, when yeah. you're there, it's in-person. It is. Man, that'd be... Wow. I mean, I could barely understand Spanish 1 in person, let alone Mandarin. <laughs> I mean, it, it
1: helps that I'm the only student in the first-year class. So, the, the professor, uh, Zhang Ting. Has like a lot of opportunity to focus on. On okay, what do you specifically not get about this? Because that's what we're going to talk about today, and it's just delight. Personalization
0: is one of the best things that you can be offered in in educational experience. It really so, is. What is your favorite part about your current college life
1: at MLC? Hmm. Um, I guess the the camaraderie. Of just having a bunch of dudes living in the same place. It's a, it's a neat sort of experience that I didn't really get at MVL. Yeah,
2: I know, Not better. I know just... from just being around Sam a lot since he's been in college. Because if you didn't know, my brother um, also attends MLC for pastoral studies. Um, yeah, him and the guys on his floor, they're just this huge family. They're just a bunch of they'd probably like the term mad lads there it's yeah i'm sure i'm certainly looking forward to college just for that yeah um and now we said before you are an alum of mvl uh what is your favorite memory from mvl that's a tough one
1: there are a, a lot of good things to choose from uh discounting history tour because i don't think that counts i would say my favorite thing that happened at mvl was uh andy's brother sam and i and a couple of other people uh we got together during the basketball season and invented a card game that's basically a combination of poker and blackjack we called it joker jack and just playing that during the basketball season was that was really a blast and I also shout that. out
0: to Nick Plice who had an integral part in the invention in invention of Joker Jack. That
1: was Nick
0: Plice.
2: Yeah. Uh, and on on the note of MVL, what was your favorite class you've ever um taken at MBL? Favorite class that I've taken. Um a choir with Mr. Hermanson. Amen easily
0: that. Mm-hmm. Every single time that we bring this up, we I have to say obligatorily, desktop was great. I know that you were in desktop. Did you
2: also enjoy the experience? I mean, yeah, it was okay. But it it has nothing on the Sussex carol, though. Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: guys. We're singing the Sussex carol at MLC. That's a a win. A
2: version that we've done or a brand new one? Well, it's it's a new version, but it's the same text.
1: And, like, it's the Sussex carol. This is,
2: I believe, the... First year since I've been in a cappella choir where we, A, don't sing a Sussex carol, and B, don't sing a Matthew Culleton piece.
1: Oh, you don't even have Matthew Culleton? We're not
2: doing a Matthew Culleton piece this year. It's saddening. Uh,
1: That's like my favorite part of the the Christmas program, Oh yeah, he
2: writes great stuff, honestly. For all of you that don't know, Matthew Culleton, a choral music composer who lives in the Twin Cities... He directs a group called the Singers, and he he writes some great stuff. He knows Mr. Hermanson. Um, when I was a freshman, Peter, were you in choir when he came down? How, was. how was that experience?
1: Oh, that was that was something else, you know, to, to just like nothing against Mr. Hermanson, but to just have a professional. And that, and he day. was
2: the composer of that piece too.
1: Yeah, because he, so he knew exactly like what it was supposed right. to sound like.
2: Oh uh, yeah. Um and last year the acapella choir went to um St. Michael Albertville High School to uh watch a voces eight concert and I just remember I remember having him there too just critiquing us because we sang some stuff for him. That was really fun. yeah. Yeah Matthew yeah. Colton's really developed a great relationship with
0: mr hermanson and by extension mvl yeah so we're going to move away from your background your academic experience because again we're interviewing a person not just an mvl experience so if
1: you were to have yes. any superpower at all what would it be Oof. that's that's a very broad question but this is the kind of things that I think about when I'm alone and I don't have anything else to think about. So, um, one that's applicable, I suppose. And after untold hours of deliberation, uh, I have developed a distinct fondness, I think, for the ability to like invade people's dreams and just communicate with them through that, just the idea of that as a power. <laughs> That sounds like psychological warfare.
0: Oh, it is. Most but certainly. But you also have the possibility to make them
1: just so happy. Like, there's this... Yeah. It's, it's a very versatile tool. And also, it's, it's a communication option. And communication, that's, that's how we get things done. That's how we win wars. That's how we make peace. That's, that's how progress is made. And this is a very intimate form of that, I feel. So as a superpower, it's, it's very Well, and useful. if you're
2: communicating to people through their dreams, I feel like people will be super vulnerable at that point. Yeah, you exactly. can either make their lives a living nightmare,
0: dreading the hours where they f- finally have to close their eyelids, or you can just proselytize. Be like, hey, have you heard about Jesus? Like, what
2: are you doing in my dream?" You reckon that's how that happened? You yeah, you, that's you think idea. that's how that happened in the Old Testament days? Like, you just need to go up to someone, and be like, "Interpret this dream I had." This dude just came and talked to me. He, he was.
0: <laughs> I don't even have to be Daniel to figure that one out.
2: Or like how how Joseph is had that dream, and God's like, "Mary, Mary, she's not having an affair," you know? Like, this chick's all right. <laughs> Like, yeah. I've never really understood how scary that would actually be to just have God speak directly to you through a dream. Or an angel,
0: because angels are terrifying. Yeah, oh, yeah. like,
2: every time you hear of an angel appearing in the Bible, it's always the people were terrified. And the angels are like, don't be scared. You silly goose, it's just me.
1: Yeah. If any of you listening have not read the first chapter of Ezekiel, or I believe it's the sixth chapter of Isaiah do so because the angel descriptions in both of those are, are, there's something else. Yeah. We
0: think of angels as like, Oh, it's just a human with wings, but also you can like poke your hand through him, but no angels are terrifying. They've been in the presence of God and they're reflecting his radiance onto you. There's no way you are going to continue looking at that thing. Because you're a sinful human and you can't even stand up to the reflection of God.
1: Exactly.
2: Now, obviously it will, be a different experience in heaven. Cause like we, we would be scared of the angels yeah. in heaven. Right. Right. Cause we'll, we'll also be holy in heaven. We'll have, we'll be
1: reflections of the right. radiance of God. That's a good way yeah. of putting
0: it. Um, and on the flip side of the coin, uh, apart from invading dreams, what is the worst superpower?
1: Ooh, okay. Uh, so worst can be defined in a couple of different ways. And I would say from a narrative standpoint, like if you're if you're writing a comic or something, the worst superpower is going to be the one that's the least compelling from a story perspective. So like omnipotence or just generic super strength, fly around, do anything, that kind yeah. of thing. Because uh, it's not compelling. But then... If I were picking a superpower for myself, then just something absolutely useless, like, I don't know, the ability to tell exactly what something is from a chemical perspective, but only after you've eaten it. Or the ability to cut
0: a cake into precisely seven pieces.
1: Yes. Although, are they precisely seven
0: equal pieces? It's a cool party trick, but it's not going to win you any wars or win you converts.
2: Well, well think about it though. Yeah. Like you're you... go you go into war against some random enemy. I don't want to pick a certain group and just the, the ocean. Yeah, you sure you're in a war with the ocean and then Okay. And then, <laughs> and then King Neptune <laughs> comes out of the water and he's just like what do you have for me to fear? And then you just come up with your cake in seven equal pieces. He'll just be shook. He'll just, he'll just give you the war at that point. Absolutely. Or like, say you're, say you're a French
1: noble uh, under Louis Sixteenth, and Robespierre starts chopping heads off. You have exactly seven angry peasants come up to you when you're sitting down to eat oh, your happens. cake. And you do that, and you send them all happens home. Happens every fed. day to me, man. I'm, I, I realize
0: exactly. that that is a completely useful superpower.
2: Now, Now, for me... For the worst superpower, I would like to quote the legendary Toms- Tomska of the Astuff movies.: oh. Tree powers activate. <laughs> and just imagine all of a sudden photosynthesizing,
0: but it's winter, and then like it, you're just stuck there, you can't do anything.: Yeah, and you can't eat anymore either. Yeah. My worst superpower. Uh, from a, an existence of the universe standpoint, would be time travel. The, you can't do time travel right. Oh yeah, the only way to make time travel actually work would be a uh, Harry Potter style time travel where the people going back to the past has already happened and they can't really change anything. But then you take the fun out of time traveling because it's already yeah. happened. Like at that point, it's a chore. It's like oh, I did this.
1: I guess gonna yeah. go do
0: it oh, I cut that cake into exactly seven pieces, and now I have to go learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a hassle. And if, if it isn't like that, then you're destroying the universe, and, you know, all of a sudden the Nazis have dinosaurs and stuff that we don't want to see.
1: Exactly. Or if you travel through time, but then not through space, you end up in a vacuum because Earth moves. That would be one didn't. of the better scenarios, in my opinion. True. Still, there's just too many things that yeah. can go wrong. so fiddly.
2: I feel like I, I would rather just mm-hmm. want to do... Like, look back in the past, but you're not able to change. It's, you're basically in adventure mode in Minecraft. You can like, go back mm-hmm. and see what happened, but you're not allowed to do anything. You can, so you become the world's best historian. Yeah. My sister puts it. forth... The idea of spectator
0: mode time traveling. Yeah. Where you can just go back and you're basically a spectator. You you can move around. You can hear what's going on. You can see what's going on. You can travel to any point in space and time. And you can't change anything, but you get to know what was going on.
2: Would you Would you want yeah. to look into the future if you had that power?
0: I don't think that spectator time travel is compatible with time travel to the future. Because... The future is still undetermined, and that's just you
2: would have to believe in a predestination sort of thing. If you wanted spectator time travel to the future to be feasible, yes. My current
1: working hypothesis is that the future doesn't exist, and that the furthest time forward in the future is the present, but I don't have time to get into the details of that on this podcast, I think. I'd
0: like to bring up a synthesis of a small snippet of a conversation I had with Teddy Jasperson about time travel, where... You can actually time travel through your perception of time. For example, you are having a blast. You're going all out, and then an hour seems like 10 minutes. Or you're sitting in Mm. fifth-hour stats, and it's a work day, but you got all the work done, and you're just watching the clock, and time seems to take twice as long as it is. Now, I believe that that is because you're perception of time is influenced by the amount of processing that your brain is doing for example when you're having blast playing say mario party all of your perception or your brain's processing power is being used to process the interactions with friends the uh images from the screen the having fun the the strategy of the game and it's not being used to perceive time but when you're bored you're sitting there just thinking about time and you're not doing anything else you've got a little bit of input from the eyes a little bit from the ears but because there's not that much sensory sensory stimulation your
1: perception of time is slower yeah that that does make sense i just want to point out one small issue i have with the whole idea uh you said strategy of the game in reference to mario party those two things cannot coexist. You've got to put a little bit of thought into whether to go left or right or to get squished by the swamper. Or...
2: It depends on which Mario party, really, because like there are some where all the characters travel in the same car and then it's like, why even bother? Yeah. With the new one, at least you've got,
0: oh, which die do I use? Do I use the the one that's a die that I know about or do I use the funky die that's going to definitely get, roll me one every single time?
1: Exactly. So th- there's little things, I guess, it's not but it's much. not much.
0: Most of it is the enjoyment with friends or the frustration.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And still more than uh, watching the stats clock. Yes. A lot more. Yes.
0: I think we'll move on to uh, another question away from the realm of superpowers. Uh, what's a hot take that you have?
1: Oof. Hot take. Yes. Um. So, you know the word lol? LOL. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think that using it in a textual format is grammatically correct, and that there's precedent for it in other languages. It's like you hear all these old people all the time talking about, "Oh, the grammar is so bad with the texting and the LOLs." I think that's a direct quote from a progressive commercial, yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. But here's the thing, right? You don't you don't use the word lull as a replacement for laugh out loud which is what it originally meant right it's not a verb anymore you know you just stick it at the end of sentences when you want to express like levity or like maybe slight sarcasm that might be the wrong word for it but you know what i'm talking
2: about yeah use it in place of the laugh really
1: yeah that's that's the main thing and so linguistically we call that a particle and there are Countless examples from like other European languages. German has a whole host of them. Um, lots of East Asian languages have particles. They just—it's considered bad grammar because they didn't exist in English before now. But like, there are some. There are
0: some, it's, it's there are some similar mm-hmm. cases where we use "i.e." which is Latin, yeah. or uh, "etc." where which we write out as "etc." because that's essentially the same thing where you f- look at that and you're not like I E id est. you're just like yeah. I E for example, because that's
1: what the English means, but it's an abbreviation that yeah. has become and that that whole thing. Yeah. It's an abbreviation, but it's become a word and it means something different. now. Yes. And just like words like that in general that have sprung up basically since the internet was founded like yeet and hype in its current modern use. Andy's very familiar with that one. Um, Just all these things, uh, people people say don't talk like that. But, okay, to to preface this argument, I have to explain that there are basically two two schools of linguistic thought. There's prescriptivism and there's descriptivism. Prescriptivism is you should say it this way because it's always been said that way. Descriptivism is... Um, there's never been an always and language is changing all of the time. So if people are talking like this now, you can talk like that and it's fine. And classifying language based on the way it's used rather than the way it's defined in grammar books. So you you are so descriptivist? A, I am a descriptivist linguistically. Because yes. I feel like that's the more scientifically objective approach. to And it.
0: prescriptivism, in my viewpoint, is just basically... Oh, yeah. A bunch of guys at one point were like, yeah, this is how English should be. Daniel Webster. Yeah, exactly. Just and that, changed everything because I don't like having the use in words like color or favor.
1: Yeah. And you can't you can't do that. People have tried for other like schools of sciences, right? Like Aristotle was just like, hey, this is how everything works. And we all believed him for basically a lot of history up until the end of the Middle Ages. And then we actually looked inside of people's mouths and realized, wait a second, men and women have the same number of teeth. That's something that Aristotle said they didn't have, and we all just went along with it because he was a descriptivist for natural philosophy. Yeah. Or a prescriptivist.
2: Yeah. Now, now this, this might lead to another hot take. I'm, I'm curious to see what direction you take this, okay? Are birds actually real? Mm-hmm. Um, I
1: think the law requires that I answer yes. But what would you say?
2: What is a bird? What's in a bird? A
0: bird. But the bird, it, the, what? what is defining a bird? Is it the feathers? Is it the wings? Is it the little stubby feet? Is it the cameras in
1: the eyes of the pigeons? Is it... Well, according to modern taxonomy, it would be the feather... According to common sense, it would be, you know, they flap the wing and then they go up, which makes bats, birds, and penguins not, which I agree But with.
2: then there's ostriches, emus, penguins. None of them are Ria, birds. Ria, kiwi. What is a kiwi? They've all still got
1: the cameras, because the, the government thing is with the feather ones. But not all birds are government drones, and not all government drones are birds in the flap sense. That is one of the strangest sentences that I've heard in a long
0: time,
2: and I think I love it. Now, All, all I'm, all right, I'm, I'm going to say about my opinions on the bird thing, take a look out your window right now. Tell me if you see any birds currently. All right, hang on. I, Andy and I are looking out the window. We don't see birds. We see zero birds out there. Now... I saw precisely one. There it is. It is a either a hallucination or a hologram. I believe Oh, it flickered out
0: for a second. Yeah, you're right. I believe that birds are mm. birds should be showing up in abundance, considering the event of national
2: importance that is soon going to happen. So you're saying the election is gonna cause the birds to
0: And if it doesn't, then birds are maybe real. Only some have the cameras in them. But this hypothesis will have to be tested. Whether on November 3rd.
1: And speaking... We'll need a a great deal of empirical evidence, and we're counting on our listeners to provide that. If you see birds on November 3rd, write in. Just
0: give us notes. Find us. Andy and Jonah. Give us your bird
2: totals for November 3rd We want them And yes. on, the, on the note Of getting tested I'm, I'm curious to see how you'll Do this, this next segment We have Wisdom of the crowd Segment where Jonah takes Our student body Tests them and compares answers With our guest For Bragging Rights Yes, yeah, so Bragging
0: Rights is all the rage these days So you want to win them so, we are going to ask you a question All with right. a big answer. And he, here's, the, here's the question yes. that we have picked out for you this week. How many incorporated mm. cities in the United States of America have fewer than 100 residents? Fewer than, And 10. I will give you as long as you want, as long as you continue to talk out your answer.
1: I'm going to guess zero, because to become an incorporated city, you need more than 100 residents I am going to begin to with.
0: I'm going to mention Holstein? that... Um, Towns and villages, as long as they are incorporated, uh, and other city equivalents, do count as cities in this sense.
1: Oh, okay. Well, then my guess is four hundred and thirty-eight thousand five hundred. You said under 100
0: or under 1,000? Under 100.
1: Ooh. That is a lot of cities. That's a lot of very small cities. Too bad. Final answer. So you said
0: 438,000. Well, the correct answer was uh, a couple of magnitudes off from that. Um, it, well, it's 1,128 by my count, and that took a very long time to count. But you are going up against the answers from our MVL student body. And their average was 1,250,549.75 cities.
1: Who caused that? You did say less than in your question, right? Fewer than 100 residents. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um. There was uh one A. Muskie who answered 10 million in one. Did I? Re- no. <laughs> May have skewed the answer. Upward. No, that was not me. But Peter, right. you are the winner. The-, the closest answer from our students was 791 from... E. Cromer, that could only be Emma Grace Cromer, the illustrious junior. But you are technically the winner, and that means that you get the bragging rights. That means that anytime you can show up at MVL and expect people to be like, yeah, that's the man.
2: However, do nice. not bring your bragging rights around Caleb Karlovsky as he is still the champion of wisdom of the crowd. As he... He had was, an amazing answer a couple weeks ago. He was seven off on with an answer of three
0: thousand oh, that dang. truly That's tremendous performance good. but this week we are here to honor your performance. Thank you for your participation you're very welcome and gentlemen as we uh, move on through this year, we would like to encourage the MVL student body and Uh, all of those of you who are listening to this podcast to go on the MVL blog and submit answers. And when the paper comes out and the next set of questions goes up, submit more answers because we want to continue doing the segment.
2: We want to continue to have good data to pull from. To put it in a outdated meme format, dear MVL student body desktop needs your help come answer questions for wisdom of the crowd and help us make this happen.
0: Yes, and with that, I believe that we are going to move right into next week, this week, right now, where we talk about what's happening next week,
2: this week, right now. So, yeah, so basically, if you don't live under a rock, you'll know that next week is homecoming. If you don't live on top of a hill across the river, you would know that this week is homecoming. Yeah, this week is homecoming. And for everyone who doesn't know about homecoming at MVL, it is great. We have dress-up days throughout the week. Um, We're starting things off with camo on Monday. Camo on Monday. You never see it coming. And tie-dye on Tuesday. The rest are posted all around the school. It is... It's gonna be a really fun week. We have a lot of different activities planned. We have a Kahoot tournament in the gym. We have Powder Puff. Powder Puff is always fun. And then we've got a Lyceum on Friday where we will crown the homecoming king and queen. We will vote for the homecoming king and queen. We will vote for the homecoming king and queen. Coronation is halftime of the game on Friday. Also, there's a watch party for that game at MVL. It's in, the, in the gym. $2 a, admission.
0: Which is cheaper than the $5 that it takes to get into the game itself. So you might want to consider being in the heated gym for $2 as opposed to being in the cold outdoors for 5
2: Yeah, and just have fun with this week. It's super awesome. It, this is the best week we could have had to get all these people back. And the return of the spirit stick. The coveted spirit
0: stick. Yes. Whichever class has the highest performance gets the stick with spirit
2: on it. I think that's what it is. You get it's, it's a wooden lightning bolt painted blue. It says spirit stick and your class gets painted on it. So it'll say like 20 or last year, 2019, class of 2022. It's basically what class statistically has shown the most spirit throughout the week so get on that dress up for dress up days participate
0: in all of the activities
2: every activity except the lyceum and kahoot will go towards your uh class's spirit points just
0: be objectively the best at powder puff by winning both of your games
2: yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun i'm very excited for that
0: and in addition to homecoming, we will also have on Thursday a volleyball game against Springfield. And then the next day, we will have a football game against Springfield. And this is going to be the homecoming game, and everybody's going to be going all out, and the Chargers are going to win, right? Yes, sir. Uh, asterisk, we are not liable if the Chargers do not win.
2: We, yeah, we cannot look into the future. We have mentioned this already today. But we're going to win. And after the game, everyone who was not at the watch party will head back to MVL, will go outside, do the coveted burning of the bolt, an MVL tradition. I love, it just warms you up. It's Especially this year, it's freezing. And just all that flame from the lightning bolt, all that lighter fluid going, all that lighter fluid going foof. It just warms my heart, both literally and figuratively. Peter, what was your favorite homecoming memory? Yeah, probably the bolt. I
1: remember the it had not been a thing for like a couple of years, my either freshman or sophomore year, and then uh, last year I sat out and watched it burn once everybody else was gone because I was on student council. And uh, it was not snowy that year. So Gator and I had to keep like going into the football field and stamping out the little pieces of baby clothes that had flown off.
2: And we going to light the football field on fire. Thankfully, the football field did not light on fire or else we might not have our addition spot that we do now. <laughs> yes. We'd like to thank our student council mm-hmm. for preventing forest fires because
0: only they and us as the student body, can prevent forest fires.
2: Thank you, student. Yes, sir. And thank you, Peter Smith, for joining us. Yes. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been great to have you back. Hope that quarantine goes well for you. Thanks. Thanks for having me, fellas.
0: It's All been right. Good. And... This has been The Last Bell with Jonah Cromer and Andy Muskie. You can find us on Anchor, Breaker, Castbox, Google and Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocketcast, Podbean, Radio Public, Spotify, Stitcher, and the MVL blog. Special thanks to Mr. Lunston, desktop publishing our advisor. And that's all for this week. We'll see you next week with a spooky Halloween-themed episode.